What an incredible, incredible morning, man. Baptism Sunday, huh? Daniel wasn't kidding. We talked about Super Sunday. Man, Baptism Sunday is so special, right? Not just because these people made this life-changing decision, but because they really showed us what an active faith looks like, right? What it looks like to follow Jesus, to follow his commands, to welcome those divine interruptions on our lives and to respond by following after him. Would y'all put your hands together one more time for those that made that decision this morning? Yeah. Well, today we are wrapping up our Divine Interruption series, and we're going to do that by looking at what I believe is probably the best response in all of the Gospels to a divine interruption of Jesus. And it doesn't come to us from one of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest followers, or even one of the religious elite. It comes from a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And what we're going to see through Bartimaeus' response is a response that I think each of us are called to, to respond to the grace of Jesus by living lives in active pursuit of him and his plan for our life. Right? So what we caught a glimpse of here in this tub this morning, and it's what each of us are called to as well, to put our faith in action. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to get those notes out, get your note app out, whatever it is, and I want you to write down just those three simple words, faith in action. Faith in action. We're going to spend a lot of time this morning defining exactly what that looks like, and I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. At the end of the message, I'm going to challenge you to actually live that out. But I want to begin actually by painting a picture for you of what it looks like to actively and passionately pursue Jesus. And so I thought, what better way to do that than by actually sharing with you my own Bartimaeus story. Would that be all right? All right. Only, okay, I got to be honest with you. This Bartimaeus story, I'm obviously not a blind beggar. And the person I was pursuing wasn't Jesus. It was actually the late, great Kobe Bryant. Okay, stick with me here. This is actually a very true story. This is a true story. For those of you who didn't know this about me, I'm from Southern California. And like most people in Southern California, I grew up a diehard Lakers fan. I mean, I watched every single Lakers game. I spent hours and hours out front of my parents' house playing basketball with my brother, imitating Kobe. I had his, like, signature baseline fadeaway jumper down. I couldn't make a single other shot, I promise you, but I had that one shot mastered. And it was always a dream of mine to meet Kobe. That was always a dream of mine as a kid. And then one day, I found myself at Disneyland, of all places, and I was there with my sister and my best friend, and we're standing there on Main Street waiting for this parade to start. Place was packed. If you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like people everywhere. There's vendors selling all kinds of things. There's kids running around with bubbles. It is like full-on sensory overload. And that's what I was experiencing, but then all of a sudden, I started hearing just these small whispers, like, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. And I'm like, I'm looking around like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden, it happens. Like the, the clouds emerge, and there he is. I mean, you couldn't miss him. He's like, he's like six eight or something like that. And he had his daughter, Gianna, on his shoulder. So she's like floating up there about eight feet tall. And y'all, I don't know what overtook me. I'm not normally this type of guy, but like, yeah, my instinct just went crazy. And I made a beeline after him. I was full on sprinting through the crowd, moving anybody I could just to get to Kobe. And then I run up behind him, behind him, mind you, and I grab him by the arm. I don't know what I was thinking, but if you've ever seen Kobe in a basketball game, you know that like death glare he gets, that black mamba intensity? Dude looked at me like straight into my soul with that same glare. 
I realized what I had done, and so I started like apologizing profusely, and I told him what a big fan I was, and you know how much I just enjoyed watching him play. And thankfully, his countenance kind of softened. He even shot me a little grin. He thanked me, and then he and his family went off on his way. Now, why do I share with you then such a ridiculous story? Other than the fact that I love that I got to meet Kobe this way, and I got to be on the receiving end of that killer instinct glare. <laughs> Well, it's because I believe that it demonstrates really in a small way what our pursuit of Jesus should look like. This relentless desire to chase after him, no matter what it takes to draw near to him. So let me ask you, family, what would it take for you to pursue Jesus in this way? What would it take? Because we've been talking for several weeks now about our desperate need for Jesus. And the fact is that some of you have yet to even move. Some of you, I feel like, are maybe even just content watching him pass you by. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's here. Don't let him pass you by this morning. It's time to put your faith in action. Time is now for you to leave behind that old way of life and to start walking in the newness of life that Christ has to offer you. Thankfully, we're given an awesome example in the life of Bartimaeus as to what that looks like, to put our faith into action. So we're going to look at that this morning. But before we do, would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Father, we give you praise this morning for the things that you are doing here in our midst. It is so evident that, Holy Spirit, you are moving amongst us. We thank you for the lives that you've transformed and the miracles that you've performed here in our midst. You are such a good and a gracious Father. Lord, I ask that you would use this time, that you would use me, your servant, to speak to your children through your word. Holy Spirit, would you encourage us? Would you empower us? Would you embolden us to live out this active faith? in pursuit of your son, Jesus. It is his holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, I want to encourage you to go ahead and get those out. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And as you find your way there, I just want to set the stage for you a little bit because if you remember, we were in maybe Mark chapter 4, chapter 5, and we're jumping quite a ways forward. And we're going to find ourselves really at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry or near the end. And since this is near the end, we're really finding Jesus at the height of his popularity. Like, this isn't just like Kobe Bryant-level popularity. This is Taylor Swift-level, like, insanity. There are thousands and thousands of people that are following Jesus around. And even though most of them had really probably an inaccurate picture of really who Jesus was, it didn't matter. They still wanted to hear him teach. They still wanted to see the miracles that he would perform. And so as Jesus is getting ready to leave Jericho on his final trip to Jerusalem, I want you to think about the frenzy that's going on around him. Thousands and thousands of people all trying to catch a glimpse of this Jesus of Nazareth. And as he makes his way out of the city, he would walk through some city gates, which is where beggars would congregate. They kind of had their specific section where they needed to be. They couldn't be inside the gates. They had to be just outside. And so while thousands are hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesus, one man puts his faith into action. One man pursues more than just a simple glimpse. Let's meet this man now. Look with me at Mark chapter 10, only at verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as he, that's Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and the great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. 
right, we're going to pause right there before we get to the divine interruption because we learn a few important things about Bartimaeus already in just this one verse. First, we learn that Bartimaeus is blind. Now, blindness was actually fairly common in those days. Uh, obviously, didn't have a whole lot of medicine, so sometimes you were born with it. Sometimes it came about as a result of a, of a disease or an injury, maybe. But what they believed in those times was that regardless of when it happened, that if you became blind, it was a result of somebody's sin, either yours or maybe your parents'. And because of that, it would make Bartimaeus, or any blind person for that matter, a social outcast. They would be sort of moved to the side along with the other marginalized people. That leads to the second thing we learned about Bartimaeus, which is that he was a beggar. Now, blindness may not have made him unclean like the the woman we saw last week, but Bartimaeus still lived a very hard life. He couldn't work for obvious reasons, and so he was forced to beg forced to beg to be able to just earn enough to survive. And what would happen is, for people like Bartimaeus, they would be given a cloak that would identify them as a beggar. It was actually a government-issued cloak, sort of like an ID badge that would give them the right to beg along the roadside. It'd give these to the blind or to the lame or to the invalid, let them know that, hey, they're allowed to be there. But the third thing we learn about Bartimaeus, it's probably the most insightful and it's definitely the most impactful, and that's that Bartimaeus had a name. I know you're thinking, well, like everybody has a name, right? But if you can remember from last week, the woman with the issue of blood, we never learned her name, only her condition. And that's the case for most of the people that are healed by Jesus in the Gospels. In fact, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's only one person who's healed by Jesus that is given a name. That's Bartimaeus. There is a great reason why, but I'm going to leave you hanging for a little bit, and I'm going to save that for the end. So let's dive back into our passage now. Now that we understand kind of the context Jesus finds himself in, the state that Bartimaeus is in, we get to learn about this divine interruption, beginning with verse 47. Would you join me there? It says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he, that's Bartimaeus, began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And that is faith in action, friends. And it's the response that we see here is the same thing that we've seen throughout this series, right? Jesus' response to this man's faith is to heal him not just physically but spiritually. So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is to look to the actions of Bartimaeus, to see what faith in action actually looks like. Because if you notice in this story, he is faced with several different choices, several opportunities where he could have succumbed to fear, where he could have succumbed to doubt, where he could have succumbed to the pressures of the things around him, but instead he chooses faith. And what you're going to see throughout this story is the response each of us should have when it comes to the divine interruptions in our own lives. It's this upward progression that leads us closer and closer to Jesus. And for Bartimaeus, it's a progression that began with him seeing. 
So if you're taking notes this morning, go ahead and write down that first observation that he sees. Bartimaeus sees, not literally, of course, but figuratively, because he understood who Jesus was. Now, how could he do this, right? He clearly couldn't see Jesus. Well, then he must have heard about him. I love Romans 10, 17. It tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's the only logical explanation how Bartimaeus could have understood who Jesus was. He must have heard about him, maybe even heard testimonies from some other blind people who were healed by him. And so he's faced with his first choice upon hearing the good news of Jesus. He makes the choice to believe. That is faith in action. It's exactly what Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us, that faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And Bartimaeus was convinced, even though he couldn't see Jesus with his eyes, that Jesus was the one who could heal him. That's why when the the chatter starts picking up around him, he starts hearing whispers of Jesus passing by. He shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And in this one passionate plea from Bartimaeus, what we see is that not only does Bartimaeus see who Jesus is clearly, but he sees who he himself is clearly as well. Did you notice that? See, because he cries out for mercy. Right? He doesn't just declare Jesus to be the son of David, which is a messianic title, but he declares that he is a sinner in need of mercy. This isn't a man who's in denial about the condition that he was in. This is a man who knew that he needed mercy and that he needed grace. So he declares it. He declares it publicly. He declares it emphatically like our brothers and sisters did here this morning. His actions, they bring to mind a, a quote from a, a pastor I love to listen to. His name's Alistair Begg, and he said, he said this, you will never know Jesus as a reality until you know him as a necessity. You'll never know Jesus as a reality until you know him as a necessity. Through faith from this deep place of need, Bartimaeus was able to see Jesus clearly, even though his own eyes couldn't. So how about you? How is your vision? Do you see Jesus clearly? See, I think the challenge is, especially nowadays, there are other things that people will come and tell us about Jesus, but are we willing to go and search for him ourselves? Are we willing to listen to his words? Are we willing to hear the testimonies of those who have been changed by him? Because if we do, we will start to see Jesus more clearly. But faith in action doesn't stop there, family, and neither does Bartimaeus, because once he's able to see clearly who Jesus is and who he is, right, he's wanting to do whatever it takes to get to him, even if it means standing up and shouting in the face of opposition, which is exactly what he does here in verse 48. Look at it again. Mark tells us that many rebuked Bartimaeus, telling him to be silent. But what does he do? He cries out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to imagine just for a moment what it must have been like to be Bartimaeus in that moment. In fact, I want to ask you just to do something for me. Would you just close your eyes right where you're at? Let's try to like put ourselves in Bartimaeus' shoes for a moment. What it must have been like to be blind in that moment, right? Your sense of, of hearing, all your other senses, they're heightened because you can't see. And so all of a sudden, you start to hear a few dozen, a few hundred, eventually a few thousands of footsteps shuffling by. Their footsteps and their voices get louder and louder. And you know that Jesus is in that crowd, but you don't know exactly where he is, so you just choose to cry out. And instead of hearing the voice of Jesus in response, you hear the voice of those around you saying, hey, shh, shh, be quiet. 
brutally reminding you of just how insignificant they think that you are. They're saying to you, this is Jesus. You are nothing but a common beggar. Keep quiet. And the more people keep shouting, the harder it is to hear Jesus. And so you start to panic and you feel like you might be missing your chance. And so what do you do? Man, you shout all the more. In faith, family, you shout all the more. Go ahead and open your eyes if you haven't already. This one simple phrase, it might be my favorite in the entire Bible. He shouts all the more. He puts on display this raw and authentic faith. It's not just a simple rejection of his rebukers. It is that. But this is a bold declaration, an urgent cry from the depths of a desperate heart. In fact, if you look at the, at the Greek word here, one of the ways you can translate this is actually to shriek. Understand the desperation of this man, his willingness to do whatever it took to catch the attention of Jesus. And the reality is, family, that's often what it takes for us to get past the barriers that stand between us and Jesus as well. It takes a cry of desperation. It takes an act of faith. See, for Bartimaeus, there were two barriers that stood between him and Jesus. And they just so happen to be the same barriers that often stand between us and him as well. The first barrier that Bartimaeus faces is the crowds. Remember, this is a multitude of people that we're talking about. So in order for Jesus to hear him, Bartimaeus is going to have to shout. But what would those people think of him? What would they think of this common beggar making such a scene? They knew who he was. They passed by him every single day. In fact, these people were probably the very ones that would throw a couple coins his way when they passed by. And now he's trying to get to the front of the line. I don't think Bartimaeus was too concerned with what these people might think. He was focused on what Jesus had to offer him. The same should be true for us, right, family? But we'll often let the crowds dictate how we live our lives. Will that fear of embarrassment, fear of shame, keep us from pursuing Jesus? Will let them keep us from stepping out in faith? What the example of Bartimaeus shows us is that not only should we be willing to shout above the crowds, but we should be willing to even stand up in opposition to them when the tide of public opinion swings against us. That's that second barrier that he faces. It's those rebukers. Now, got to get real for a second. Don't you find it interesting that it's those who are following Jesus that are the very ones trying to keep Bartimaeus from him? Man, let that one simmer for a second. Isn't it interesting that it's those who follow Jesus that are the very ones trying to keep Bartimaeus from him? And it grieves me that there are those still today in the church who are actively trying to keep others from Jesus. One of the things I get to do is I get to hear from people when they come into our doors and they join our church family. And it pains me that I often hear that this is the case, that they have been literally or figuratively rebuked by those who claim to follow Jesus. I can share a whole message on that, but I just want to tell you what I Tell them then and now. So look past those rebukers. Be like Bartimaeus. Shout out all the more. It doesn't matter what they have to say. All that matters is what Jesus has to offer. Put your faith in action. Don't let the words of those who surround you be louder than the words of the one who saved you. If that's you here this morning, I just want to pause and just say, I'm sorry. 
Know that Jesus loves you. Know that Jesus is willing to stop for you. It's the next thing we see in verse 49. After Bartimaeus sees, after he shouts, Jesus stops and says, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. In response to Bartimaeus, seeing and shouting, Jesus stops. Don't gloss over those words. It is not just a simple uh, description of Jesus' actions. It's an expression of his heart. They remind us of the grace of Jesus, and they serve to remind us of the interruptibility of Christ. See, we've talked so much through this series about Jesus interrupting us. What I love about this portion of this story is it shows us what happens when we interrupt him. He stops. When we cry out, he stops. When we reach out, he stops. There is simply no way to overstate how approachable, how interruptible Christ is. And that simple fact, family, should tell us exactly what he thinks of us, that we are worthy declares our value by the fact that he will stop doing whatever he is doing to extend to us his grace and his mercy. And I believe Jesus, he wasn't just communicating this to Bartimaeus in this moment. He was communicating that to everybody, that he was willing to stop even for the marginalized and the outcast. And what I love about this, if I can kind of nerd out a little bit on the Bible, is that when we look at these stories in the gospel, you can't look at it just in its own silo. You got to look at the story that comes before and the story that comes after, at least, because you can uncover so many other truths. And what we see here is that Jesus wasn't just sending a message to Bartimaeus, wasn't just sending a message to those that were around him. He was also sending a message to his disciples. In fact, if you look back at verse 35, you can see James and John, his disciples, demanding Jesus do whatever they ask of him. Yes, it is exactly as stupid as it sounds. <laughs> they demand Jesus to do whatever they ask of him thinking that because they held this position that they were somehow entitled to more than anybody else. So this is the message that Jesus is sending by stopping for Bartimaeus, saying, hey, it doesn't matter your position. What's the posture of your heart? That's what I'm going to stop for. That's who I'm going to grant my mercy and my grace to. Man, Jesus honors Bartimaeus' request despite his position and sends a clear message to his disciples, sends a clear message to us. That he's not a genie here to grant the entitled wishes of those who follow him. He is a savior come to give grace to those who need it most. So he stops and he calls for Bartimaeus. Well, you notice he doesn't go to Bartimaeus himself. He doesn't heal Bartimaeus from a distance, which we've seen him do before. No, he calls for Bartimaeus and gives Bartimaeus a chance to put his faith in action. And look at how Bartimaeus responds. Look at verse 50. It says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. So the next thing we see Bartimaeus do is he springs. He shows us what faith in action looks like. Let me show you why this is so important, starting with the throwing off of his cloak. This is no small gesture, family. This is a bold act of faith. And it tells us that Bartimaeus had zero doubt that Jesus was going to heal him. Remember, this is like his ID badge. This was his means of which he could survive. Without this cloak, he wasn't allowed to beg. Without begging, he wasn't able to get money. Without getting money, he wasn't able to eat. This cloak meant a lot to him. But in the middle of thousands of people, he was willing to leave it behind. Would he be able to find it again? Not if Jesus didn't heal him. He was willing to risk everything 
to leave it behind because he knew. He fully expected Jesus to heal him. He fully expected Jesus to show him how to walk in newness of life. So he throws his cloak and he springs up. He didn't come in a shy manner. He was bold in his declaration of who Jesus was and what he expected him to do. And family, this should be our posture as well. Coming to Jesus with our old self, with our cloak, and being willing to throw it aside and to spring up and to come to him to receive the healing and to receive the identity that comes in him and in him alone. That's what baptism signifies. We saw five of our brothers and sisters enter with their cloaks and leave. Leave that cloak behind. Leave behind that old way of life and receive the new identity in Christ. And the reality is, I know there are still some of you here who are clinging to your cloaks. Maybe it provides you some sort of security. Maybe it provides you some sort of comfort. Maybe you've just gotten used to it. Maybe you've believed the lie of what the world has told you that you are. But Jesus is passing by. Jesus can heal you if you set aside your cloak. If you spring up and come to him, he can heal you. He can make you whole. I mean, the baptism pool is here. <laughs> it's no coincidence that you're here this morning, too. So if you're experiencing a divine interruption of your own this morning, receive it. Respond to it. It's no accident, family. You can be set free from those old rags, and you can find your new identity in Christ. Putting our faith into action. It means pursuing Jesus just like Bartimaeus, but it also means abandoning those things that have kept us from him for so long. Throw those things aside. Come to his feet and ask him for healing. The next thing we see Bartimaeus do in verse 51, he speaks. Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? The same question he asked those disciples in verse 35, mind you. And the blind man says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Do you imagine Jesus asking, what do you want me to do for you? Man, I don't know about you, I'd probably have a laundry list of things. <laughs> but what does Bartimaeus do? He responds, not just with a heartfelt request, but I want to point this out to you. He makes a bold declaration of who Jesus is to him. In fact, the declaration he makes about Jesus is found in only one other place in all of Scripture. See that word rabbi? Bartimaeus calls Jesus rabbi, only our translation doesn't give us the full picture. The word he actually uses here, it's an Aramaic word. It's an Aramaic word, Rabboni. And it's a personal word. It means my master, my savior. It's a word we hear only one other time in scripture, and it's uttered by Mary Magdalene at the tomb of Jesus when she first sees his face. This is a bold declaration for Bartimaeus. He's gone from calling him the son of David, recognizing him as the Messiah, to calling him Rabboni, my master, my savior. Somehow this blind man seems to have seen what nobody else could see before Jesus died and was resurrected. That's why he shouts. That's why he springs up. That's why he speaks. And of course, by now we shouldn't be surprised how Jesus responds, right? He not only heals Bartimaeus, but he goes even a layer deeper to give him the true healing that he desperately needs. So in response to Bartimaeus speaking, he is saved. Jesus says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
And just like last week, we see Jesus respond to faith in action by providing not just physical healing, but that spiritual healing. He used that same word, sozo. You're not just physically healed, you are spiritually healed. Because Bartimaeus sees and shouts and springs and speaks, he is saved. What I want to make sure we understand here as I invite the band back up is that it was Bartimaeus' faith in action that led him to ask for healing, but it was Christ's grace in action that is what actually brought about his salvation. Why is that important for me to point out? Well, because I believe the temptation has always been and will always be that there is something that we have to do to earn our salvation, that it's up to us. But that couldn't be further from the truth. That's why Paul points out to us in Ephesians 2.8, that by grace we have been saved through faith. In other words, it's not the actions of Bartimaeus on the road out of Jericho that saved him. It was the actions of Jesus on the cross that brought about his salvation. So don't hear this story and view these acts of Bartimaeus as the means towards his salvation. That's not what it is at all. This story, family, and this call to faith is a call to live a life in light of the salvation that has already been freely granted to you by the blood of Jesus. It's a recognition that it's not our good works, it's not even the act of being baptized that saves us. It's Christ alone who's delivered us. It's he alone who has rescued us and has saved us and has made us whole. Bartimaeus took several bold steps of faith to pursue Jesus. But in the end, the one thing you truly need couldn't be achieved. It could only be received. And that's salvation, family. When received, it demands a response. That's where, like I said earlier, I believe Bartimaeus has the best response we've seen yet. Because notice that Jesus told him to go his way. In what direction did Bartimaeus go? He followed Jesus. He followed Jesus along the way. Verse 52, we see the last act of faith from Bartimaeus. After he sees and shouts and springs and speaks and is saved, he seeks. He seeks after Jesus. What a beautiful picture of discipleship. I think actually this act of faith, it defines discipleship. Someone living in darkness, gaining their sight, and then following Jesus down the road of life. That is faith in action. Bartimaeus goes from being a beggar to being Christ's beloved. He goes from sitting to being sent. And family, that's my desire for each of you that you would do just as Bartimaeus did and insert yourself into the story that God is telling by living out your faith. Because here's the thing, divine interruptions, they're not designed to lead you to a one-time decision. They're designed to lead you into an entirely new way of living, which means that once you've seen, once you've shouted, once you've sprang up, once you've spoken faith, once you've been saved, you seek. And you keep seeking. You follow after the one who saved you, living your life just as he lived his. That's what Bartimaeus did. And Bible scholars tell us that he continued to do so, even long after Jesus was crucified, long after he was resurrected. In fact, they tell us that's why we have his name. Because he never stopped seeking after Jesus. So what does it look like for you to pursue Jesus today? What does it look like? What does it look like for you to respond to his grace and to receive his mercy? 
Maybe for you, that looks like crying out to him. Coming to his feet, boldly declaring him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe that looks like being baptized. Setting aside that cloak, springing up to come after him, to receive that identity that he has given to you. Or maybe it's to make the commitment to stop sitting by the roadside and to get up and to follow after Jesus, to center your life around him as a fully engaged disciple. I don't know what your next step may be, but I do know that today is a great day to put your faith in action. Today is a great day to respond to the divine interruption of Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to do. I want to invite those of you who are feeling called by Jesus this morning to put your faith in action, to make a bold declaration. In an act of faith, I just want you to stand right where you're at. Whether he's calling you to give your life to him for the first time, whether he's calling you to be baptized, whether he's calling you just to get up and to pursue him, would you take that bold step of faith? Would you stand right where you're at? this morning would you spring up to your feet would you recognize who he is would you be willing to receive his grace and his mercy 